Good morning. This is a picture of my granddaughter. <laughs> She's my first grandchild. And when you have a grandchild, you relive your parenthood a little bit. Here's a picture of me with my daughter 24 years ago. <laughs> I know, I look exactly the same, don't I? And here's my daughter Jade with her daughter, Quinn, my granddaughter. Now, when you become a grandparent, all of the memories about parenting come flooding back to you. And you get to watch your own kids, who are now the parents, raise your grandchild. It's a beautiful and, and scary and fun and difficult thing to do at times. Now, I didn't want to randomly show you pictures of my family, but this is what grandparents do. My phone is filled with pictures of my granddaughter, and I'm a, I'm a very proud grandfather, and I'm always showing pictures of her to everyone in my path. And this made me wonder whether God does the same thing in heaven. I wonder if he shows pictures of newly saved people to the angels on his android, you know, like, here's Chad, he's 37, he was just born spiritually yesterday, isn't he cute? <clears throat> he, was, he was still a sinner, <laughs> probably not, <clears throat> he probably does it on an iPhone, not an android. <clears throat> this morning, we're going to talk about what it means to be a child of God. Who we are in Jesus Christ and how knowing this information can help our growth as a believer. We're going to search the scriptures to help us understand the significance of the relationship that we have with God when we believe in him, when we have been born spiritually. And this is a difficult thing to do because it's hard for us to totally understand all things spiritual because our human minds usually get in the way. Fortunately, God has given us a path through scripture to help us understand our role in his story and to understand the benefits of our relationship with him as we seek to grow and mature as his children in his family. The beautiful verse that all of this is centered around this morning is in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 12. But I want to read from verse 1 to find our bearing and our foundation. This is my, my all-time favorite passage of Scripture. John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. Here we go. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light 
shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that's the verse. That's the one we're targeting this morning. That is a powerful piece of divine literature. You should memorize that and hide it in your heart. Now, I'm actually going to read it again, but I'm going to replace all of the pronouns that John used for Jesus Christ with the name of Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to improve Scripture or anything by doing this. I just want you to hear it again with the name of Jesus, because I think it makes what we're going to be talking about this morning even more clear. So here it goes, same passage, John 1, 1 to 12, but with the pronouns for Jesus replaced with the actual name of Jesus, okay? Just listen to this, there's no slides. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ was with God in the beginning. Through Jesus Christ, all things were made. Without Jesus Christ, nothing was made that has been made. In Jesus Christ was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Jesus Christ was in the world. And though the world was made through Jesus, the world did not recognize Jesus. Jesus Christ came to that which was his own, but Jesus' own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive Jesus Christ, to those who believed in Jesus' name, Jesus gave the right to become children of God. Now, this exercise really helps me 
to be very clear about the role that Jesus has in the family of God since the beginning of time. Nothing has ever happened and nothing has ever been created without Jesus, the Son of God, who is one with God. There has only ever been one Father and one Son and one Holy Spirit, and they all exist as one God. And this passage of Scripture is telling us that if we receive Jesus and believe in the name of Jesus Christ, we can then become children of God. And if you've already done this, you are a child of God. Now, one of the first things I notice about verse 12 is that John doesn't mention repentance. He only says that those who received Jesus and believed in His name became children of God. He didn't write those who repented and believed. So I had to go do some research on that right away because when Jesus started His ministry right after John the Baptist was put in prison, the first thing He preached in Matthew 4.17 was, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Now, the word repentance in the New Testament means having regret or remorse. That's the way we know it. But it also means a change of mind. It's a 180-degree turn toward Jesus. In Acts chapter 3, verse 19, Peter preaches, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. I love the wording in that verse, wiped out. So repentance needs to happen, and John didn't forget about that. He simply implied that, that those who received Jesus turned away from their previous beliefs and changed their minds about Jesus. They believed in Jesus and became children of God, and this encompassed the act of repenting, believing, and confessing. This is really clear in the book of Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. The apostle Paul says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And last, but definitely not least, the grace of God plays the lead role in our salvation. I preached a whole sermon on this last summer. The book of Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 tell us, for it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So if you repent and believe in Jesus Christ, if you believe that God raised Him from the dead, if you accept the gift of grace, of God's grace, if you say this 
with your mouth, you are saved, and you are now a child of God. You are now a member of God's family. So now what? What does this mean? How does being a child of God change who you are? How does this affect your growth as a disciple of Jesus? How do you live your life now as a follower and a child of God? I think it's always important to remember our role as children. In God's family, we are the children. We are not angels. We are not seated on any thrones. Heaven is God's throne. We are not the kings and queens of Narnia. We are not the parents. We're not establishing the rules, and we are not enforcing the rules. We are not part of a judiciary panel. That's the job of the parent who is God. Don't get this mixed up. We are his children. I've seen a lot of God's children try to make up their own ideas and parameters for God's family here on earth. I don't know how or why this happens. People get confused or, or just bored, I guess, and they just start making stuff up. I'm sure you can think of your own examples. It's not too hard. My point is, when you are born spiritually and are saved and become a child of God, you are now a disciple, a follower. You're not the leader. Jesus Christ is the leader who was and is and is to come. He's the beginning and the end. He doesn't need a co-pilot. You follow Jesus. You turn your eyes to Jesus. Turn your heart and your mind to Jesus. Try to get everyone around you to focus and turn to Jesus. Be an obedient child and follow his example. Get to know him through his word. What did he have to say? How did he act around the people he was teaching? What did he do in the situations that he found himself in? That's how we should strive to live. Imitate him. Jesus is the vine. You are the branches. We are the branches. He is our Heavenly Father. We are His children. I remember my first semester at Trinity Western University a long time ago. At that time, there was uh, this overwhelming mandate to make all the students into leaders. In every chapel, in every class, in every seminar, the professors or guest speakers were always discussing the best ways to mold students to become better leaders. They need to become leaders in our communities. They need to become leaders in our churches. They need to become leaders in political offices and workplaces and in their careers. We need more leaders, leaders, leaders. 
I was so confused. I, I was newly married, and I had already been to Bible college, but I was still freaking out because I hadn't really learned how to be a good follower yet. I wasn't a very good student, and, and I wasn't a very good disciple either, for that matter. Why was I being thrust into leadership already? And because of this mission, by the time I graduated, my head was filled with this mantra of having to go out and be a leader wherever I was. I was just a, I was just a young guy. I barely knew anything about anything. I, my head was filled with a bunch of knowledge backed up by the arrogance of feeling like I had to lead right away. It was a total recipe for disaster. It took years and years and years of mistakes and, fit and failure before I realized that the only way to lead in any situation is first to be a good follower. Focus your attention on being a good follower, an obedient child, a good disciple. Because no matter how much you grow as a disciple, no matter how many degrees you get, or how many corporate or political ladders you climb, or how much money, fame, and materials you accumulate here on earth, at the end of your life, you will see God, your spiritual father, clearly for the first time, and he will be your father, and you will be his child. And that's all that matters. The most important question to really ask yourself this morning is, do you know him? Do you know Jesus Christ as well as you could? Do you know everything he said do you know everything that he did that's written down? Because he knows you. He knows everything about you. Every hair on your head, every thought that you've ever had, he knows what you're like when you're alone. He knows everything about you. And he loves you so much. Listen to this passage in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. All who have this hope in Him purify themselves, just as He is pure." Passages of Scripture like that, it really overwhelmed me with wonder and amazement when I take the time to really meditate on them. I just become completely humbled. Now, 
because we become God's children when we believe in Jesus, when we receive Jesus, there are some amazing benefits for us. There's even an inheritance for us, for God's children, for those who believe. God is keeping our reward for us in heaven, and the inheritance is essentially heaven, everlasting life, and it's being reserved for us. So that's something for all of us to hope for and long for and to wait for. And that inheritance is guaranteed to never end for believers. 1 Peter chapter 1, 3 to 5 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So, we're not there yet, right? We're still here on earth as God's children, and we have to wait for the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, and the new earth. We have to wait to see and understand everything clearly. We have to practice being content while we wait. That's part of our growth. It's part of growing up spiritually. We long for what's coming. And that could mean enduring some hardships here on earth or even suffering while we wait. But being a child of God doesn't mean that we get a free ride. It doesn't guarantee that things will be easy. It doesn't mean that you won't suffer while you wait. In fact, you might suffer a great deal here on earth. You're still a child of God, and you will still receive your inheritance if you put your trust in Him. So practice Practice being in His presence and accessing His peace through prayer and reading His Word, and this will help carry you through until you meet Him face to face. You need to practice seeing yourself always being cared for and loved unconditionally by a loving spiritual father because that's literally what's happening. But we forget because we get so distracted by the things of this earth. Our human minds get in the way and we forget about him. Now, another amazing thing that happens when you're born spiritually and when you become a child of God, is that you will begin to recognize His voice. Now, that sounds a bit strange because we immediately think of an auditory voice, but all of Scripture is God's voice. God's Word 
is God's message to us. When we respond to His Word and do what it says, we are listening and responding to His voice. God can also speak to us through His creation. Actually, God can speak through whatever He chooses to reach our ears and our understanding, but only His children, His sheep, will follow Him because our eyes have been opened once we have been born spiritually. I once was blind, but now I see. Spiritually, we see. John chapter 10 talks about this. Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. His children know His voice. Now, this next part is hard. It's difficult. But I believe that part of our growth as children of God is coming to terms with the fact that there will be people in our lives who will not hear His voice until they make their own decision about Jesus Christ, until they make that 180-degree turn toward Jesus. They might be acquaintances or people that you work with or close friends or even members of your own family, maybe your kids, maybe your grandchildren. This can be very troubling for us. It's difficult to accept the fact that the world is filled with people around us who don't know Jesus, people who are not children of God and do not hear His voice and do not follow Him. And when you're a positive, loving person, you just want everyone to be loved and to be happy, and you just want to think that everyone is going to heaven and everyone is going to that better place when they die. But Jesus says in John chapter 8, whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. You see, some people do not hear. So I think growth partly happens in believers when we face this truth because we have to let God work in the hearts of the people around us. This isn't something the children of God can mend or force. Our job is to love people and love God and make God known to the world through the things that we do and the things that we say when we attempt to model Jesus' life and ministry. 
This doesn't mean that we can choose to stop loving or serving the people around us. In fact, it's just the opposite. Jesus commands us to love and serve one another, but don't expect people to respond. That's God's work to do in the hearts of people. He says later on in John, John chapter 14, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words that you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So as children of God, we should be studying the lifestyle that Jesus modeled for us and share the truth about Jesus with as many people as we can, but we need to be okay with the fact that there will be many that just won't hear his voice. They won't respond to Jesus, and they won't respond to the truth. They won't turn. But knowing our role in God's family and remembering who we are in Christ allows us to grow into the people that He wants us to become. We are in Jesus, and Jesus is in us. That means we are covered forever under His grace. We are set apart, and it can never fade or perish, and we can be confident in this good news as we try to be salt and light on the earth. A songwriter, a friend of mine, good friend from Bible college, wrote a song called Farther Up and Further In, which is the same name given to the 11th chapter of the last battle, the seventh book, the seventh and final book of the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. After seven books of adventures, the leading characters in the story have finally reached the new Narnia, which is described in the story with the same type of poetic writing as, as the book of Revelation. And as they enter the new Narnia, their eyes are open to see incredible things. And some of them start to pause and, and look around because it's what they've been hoping and longing for since the beginning of their journey. Some of the characters cry out, go farther, go further, keep going, because what they really want to see is Aslan, the king of Narnia. Now, I remember the song that my friend wrote generally being about seeking after more in our faith and our walk with Jesus. I don't remember the whole song, but some of the lyrics paraphrased from the book of Isaiah that have stuck with me all these years are a poetic picture of us as believers who are still on the earth waiting. He describes us as filthy rags, 
and a rusted tin full of faith and forsaken sin. Carry us, O rushing wind, farther up and further in. And the song is an inspiration, like the characters in Narnia, to keep going, to keep growing. It's a cry to not stop where you are, to not stay in one place and be distracted, but to be emboldened, to carry on, to get closer to God, to know Him more, to go farther and further in our faith in Jesus until we finally see Him face to face. If you want to grow, read the Bible. Read about how Jesus lived. Learn from the things that he taught the people that he served. It, you know, it wasn't that long ago. It was only a couple thousand years ago. That's, that's nothing really in the lineage of God's creation. Read, pray, pray to God. Tell him about all of your troubles and the things that you're passionate about. Ask him for the strength that you need to carry on. Be obedient to God. Follow the life of His Son. Study His life. Serve others and think of others as better than yourselves. Enjoy His presence. Jesus is always with you, with us. The kingdom of God is in your heart if you repent and believe in Jesus. Share this good news. Tell others. It's part of growing up spiritually. Expect rejection and mocking from some but it's okay. They hated Jesus first. Be encouraged. Let the light who is Jesus Christ in your heart shine because the darkness can't overcome it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for calling us your children we are yours. Thank you for your word, your message to us. Thank you for being the light inside of us. Help us to grow closer to you. Give us the strength to keep growing, to keep learning, to keep shining until we see you face to face. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.